Hey, how's it going, guys? Welcome to another episode of 5-Minute Major Radio. Dave here, along with my broadcast partner, kind Jacob Hunter-Harrison. Hi. So, uh, a lot of things. We've been gone for a little bit, you know, some personal life, this new job, all that fun stuff's been happening. So, we're back this week. Um, the NHL draft, of course, happened in that meantime, and Flyers prospect camp's been going on the past couple of days. Jake and I were in attendance this morning. We're going to delve a little bit into that, and also we have some other news with free agency coming up on July 1st, and also there are already a couple of trades in the NHL uh, surrounding the draft, and some already big free agent signings to go on there. So we're going to hop right into it. Uh, Jake, do you have anything you want to add before we get into the Flyers draft picks? Uh, <clears throat> there we go again. Yeah, it's, uh, like Dave said, lots going on. You know, NHL hockey and hockey alike does not take the summer off. So, you know, you have plenty of uh, draft news, trades, free agency acquisitions, uh, development camps, especially always after the draft for most NHL clubs. So, a lot happening. And uh, hopefully we can touch on all of it today. Yep. So, we're going to hop right into the draft. Of course, the Flyers had two picks in the first round. Um, they had a... They had, I think they had eight picks overall throughout all seven rounds. The one thing that's, that was disappointing about the draft that even Hextall admitted himself is that he was disappointed he couldn't come out of the first round or the draft in general with a big trade. He was. We were rumored to be linked to getting Ryan O'Reilly from the Buffalo Sabres. Still could happen. It still could happen, but I'm getting the vibe in the sense that um, it's been leaked through various media outlets that um, the Sabres and other teams and asking for a center – we're asking for a player like Travis Sanheim or Philippe Myers or an Oscar Limblom as one of the pieces. And I'm happy that Hexall said no, because they are the key to our future at the moment. I don't necessarily blame, if that be the case, you know, Buffalo wanting to receive some value back, especially for a player like O'Reilly, who definitely um, brings a lot to the table for, you know, teams like Buffalo or alike. But um, unfortunately, it wasn't able to get, wasn't, the Flyers weren't able to get it done, whatever the case, whatever the reason. Um, like I said, potentially, if that's their guy, if they're really persistent about it, you know, there's still time, you know, maybe maybe time, you know, is the is the element or the factor. But, you know, maybe not. Maybe O'Reilly's not the guy. So, but lots to happen. You know, lots I think, to happen. The free agency coming up. I definitely, I definitely think the Flyers had a good draft. A very know? good draft. I, I, I don't. I, there's nothing nothing to hang your head well, about. I, I want to say they had a very good first round, mm-hmm. and there's kind of some of the later picks who are like, eh, that was okay. They could have done something else. Well, that's, but that's, that's the beauty of the draft, too, you know. Well, the hindsight's 2020. So. Precisely. And, you know, if you you want you want to look into it, you know, you look at, you know, in the history of the draft, players like, you know, uh, Jonathan Erickson, is that his name? Jonathan? Yeah. Yeah, Jonathan. For the Detroit. Yep. Yeah, he was the very last... I knew Erickson. I didn't want to fudge up his uh, his first name, of course. But he was the very last pick, it was my understanding, in his draft year. Which, and, and you have know, players like in Dallas, like Jamie Benn, who go mm-hmm. in the fifth round. We're, so. we're talking about an era where the draft was many more rounds than it is now. So, <clears throat> with that being said, you know, you never know. You, you could always find those diamonds in the rough, per se. The diamonds in the rough. Oh, jeez. Yes, I just went full Jafar there. My girlfriend would be very proud with me. So <laughs> that, was, that was absolutely terrifying to watch you do that. Prince oh, boo boo. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, here we go. No more Jafar for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> no more Jafar. Um, you never know. It could happen. But uh, 
One might say, one might say with Anto Draft, there's a huge cosmic power and <laughs> space. I'm a little bit more partial to uh, Scar from The Lion King when it comes to animated Disney villains. But that being said, that right. being said, All right into the Flyers draft picks. So the Flyers first selection at pick 14, they drafted Joel Farabee from the U.S. National Team Developmental Program and the USHL. He's um, 18 years old, was born February 25th in the year 2000. My God, that makes me feel very old. He's from New York. He's six foot, about buck 61, according to, NA, according to NHL.com. He also has some local ties, grew up a Philly kid. His um, father is from the Warminster, Pennsylvania area. He's a, he's a big Phillies and Eagles fan, also grew up watching the Flyers. Um, I really like this pick. He's a guy I had pegged going into the draft. He's a shoot first, ask questions later winger. He's a left winger, and um, he was captain at one of the national tournaments for the for the I believe the U eighteen team for the U S. And he's committed to go to Boston College, I believe, next season. So we're not going to see him for at least a couple years, but we'll get to see him at BC and probably the World Juniors next year. Um, the Flyers like him a lot because he plays a competitive game that's above his weight class. He's got an off. He's a threat off the rush. He makes something out of nothing and unbroken plays. He's an above-average skater right now for his age group, um, which is something the Flyers have kind of not really dwelled into and passed up some prior picks. But you know, he's got a it's, and even a prospect camp they watch him today. His he had he had a, a wicked wrister for certain. He is what what I'm gonna like to coin him as Joel ain't no wannabe therapy. He is a uh, <clears throat> he was a driving force, that's for sure. I think his his presence at the camp was definitely known. He, and we talk about the shoot first, ask questions later quality to his game. He you know, he brung it. You can NHL.com pegs him as he's a highly skilled, excellent passer and a fine shooter with a quick release, and that was definitely seen today. He's got strong hockey sense with and without the puck, and he can help drive play, which is something the flyers seen on the, especially on the wing. Um Anything that's kind of knack on him right now is he needs to put on some weight, obviously, mm-hmm. to compete in the NHL. His skating, it's not a concern, but, you know, of course, there's always room to improve. Um, playing time, you know, he's going to benefit from a, a season or two in, at Boston. I'm sorry, not BC's, but he's going to Boston University. If, I, if we have any Bostonians listening to our podcast, they're going to hate me for making that mistake. Any, any Beanpod hockey fans are scoffing. Yes. Terribly. Yes, they are. Well, I'm from Philadelphia, not from Boston, so I I apologize. I will say, out of the two particularly rivaled schools, I am a I don't discriminate. Good hockey is good hockey. Um, Um, And also, he's going to obviously play for the U.S. at the World Junior Championships this coming year. Um, Hexall was quoted as saying that he's a really, he's a real attention to detail player. He competes hard. He's got speed. He's got skill. He can score. He's just a good player. He's also got size in his family, so I think there's still a chance he can grow, but he's certainly going to put a lot of beef on. You know, it's something that I'm really happy the Flyers did with this pick. You know, there's been years in the years past where the where Jake and I and other people in the hockey world have pegged the Flyers to pick a certain person, and they didn't go with that pick, and you're like, oh, well, I'm a little disappointed in that. I mean, then we took and we took Scott Lawton instead. Look how that's panning out. Um, but no, I'm really excited for this pick, and yeah. You know, Definitely looks the part today, but we'll get more into the prospect camp later on the draft. So, yeah, anything else to add about therapy, Jake? Before we move on to oh, our yeah, second first round I think, pick, I, I think we covered most of it. You know, we, there's a 
Maybe only time will tell, you know. Shades of greatness today, that's for sure. But, you know, hopefully, you know, he can uh, <laughs> be stunned. <laughs> yes. So then at um, – also, I, I – the nerd I am, I missed the NHL draft. But someone, some gracious YouTuber put it on YouTube. And then I, of course, downloaded the draft from via real player. Um, I'm going to be fine. I don't want I actually I, I I rewatched it on my day off whilst playing Xbox. I did not. <laughs> and uh, the, the the panel on NBC, uh, consisting of Bob McKenzie and Pierre Maguire and um, Craig Button, really liked this pick. Yeah, I used to be a fanatic <laughs> these days. <laughs> I'm sure at some point I'll go on, and I know Browns two through seven are on Browns YouTube, and seven? I'll probably watch them. There at some point. But next, the Flyers picked, um, of course, that first round pick that we got at 14 was Thank You St. Louis in the Braden Chen deal. Ah, yes, yes. Paying dividends to this day. Yes. The next pick, 19, was our own first round pick. The Flyers used to select Jay O'Brien. At this point, Pierre Maguire pretty much lost it in the best way possible. Um He's from Thayer Academy, which is a, a U.S. high school like hockey school. Um, its famous alumni are Brooks Orpik, Jeremy Roenick, Tony Amonti. You know, there's a it's known for it being one of the better high school hockey academies in the country. For sure. Um, Jay O'Brien probably, uh, definitely up there with the Shattuck St. Mary's. Yes. Um, Jay O'Brien, of course, he's 18 years old. He was born in November of '99. He's from Massachusetts. He's 5'10", 185. Another player that at times we notice today a little bit too, and he's definitely got some nice hands. Skates well. That's one of the thing that that one of the things that definitely stuck out to me. He has a um, he definitely has a good quality to his skating or that asset of his game. Um, yeah, I think the Flyers even commented on his skating here. Uh, he's a well above average skater, and that uh. That definitely was shown today in his performance at camp while they were, you know, of course, running skating drills, you know, working on edge work. As was his shot. He's known to be mm-hmm. an excellent shooter, and he's definitely – he was flexing his uh, Bauer Vapor 1X LTE very much today. Uh-huh. Um, or gear talk. Maybe we should get a, just get a gear talk. A gear talk, that could happen. Um, Antonio.com decided some development needs for him. He needs some, he needs some more experience because uh, he's only played competitive high school hockey. He did a short stint with the U.S. National Development Program. Um, limited experience today playing with against higher competition. He needs at least two. He's headed to college at Providence and potentially some extra time before he's NHL ready. Um, he's the he's the classic little guy who plays big, and he can benefit from beefing up. He also is a very well uh, playing position, and you know he has the skill to play center at times. But you know, obviously, he's, he's probably going to be better best suited as a winger. Um, Hexall was quoted as saying that we that we really liked his energy. He's a really good motor. People look at it now and go, wow, geez. You took a guy from a lower level. Well, when you look back in 10 years, and I'm not saying this is true with Jay, you go, you should have taken that shot at him despite the fact that hockey, that the hockey world felt like he should go later. For sure. I definitely agree. He, you know, he reminds me a lot, not so much just in the, the smaller stature per se, but he, I do see shades of like a, like a Johnny Gaudreau. In him, somebody who skates well and has like you know, uh, is well ta- well enough talented in the offensive area. But like I think he moves well with the puck, and his awareness is very good. Especially like he's definitely not a player who who is afraid to 
to carry the puck in that not so much like danger areas, but you know, like like areas where you know you need to open up the ice and create scoring chances, and even you know places you need to go to uh, you know give yourself opportunity to score. All qualities I definitely feel like Goudreau would possess as well as a as a smaller scale player in a what they most people would call a big man's game today. Mm-hmm. But for sure, he I was uh, I was impressed by Mr. O'Brien. Yes, indeed. So now we're moving on <clears throat> to the second round. With the 50th overall selection, the Flyers selected, let me guess, another Swedish defenseman. His name's adding Adam Ginning. I believe it's a soft G. Doesn't sound very Swedish. It doesn't sound. I thought he was American or Canadian, but apparently he plays um, for Linkopings. Yeah, Linkopings or something. In this yeah. in the Swedish Hockey League. We're terrible. <laughs> He's, again, 18. He's from... Born in Linköping, Sweden. He's 6'4", 205 pounds. To, to our Swedish listeners, we are profusely sorry. Oh, and here, they actually have the, give us the pronunciation. It's Yinning. Y- so, yes, Yinning. I told, I, mm, it's a soft mm, G. It's ah, a, yes. a soft G. We already have one of those in the Flyers. A soft G. Watch your wording, sir. Yes, yes, yes. This could take a turn for the worse. Yeah, hopefully that it will. But, um... You know, the Flyers like him a He's already a regular starting defenseman for his, for his SHL team. He's got extensive experience for Team Sweden in his age group. Um, he was actually paired with the Chicago, with the Chicago Blackhawks first-round pick, Adam Boquist. Um, he's a lefty defenseman. He's playing the shutdown half of the Swedish U18 national team's top pairing. He's a physical but um, intelligent defenseman when it comes to competing hard. Um He's a pretty good skater for being a big defenseman, which is something that when they when they when they defensing gets drafted and they're bigger, some of them skating is an, an area of concern. His strengths, you know, he's physically strong, competitive, and harder to play against the walls and net front. He's a very good penalty killer. Um, he's uh, he, his his defensive stick work is underrated, and um, he has definitely some leadership potential as he was the captain of Team Sweden at the U18 Worlds. One thing that definitely sticks out to me at a play with a player like uh, Yining. He's a 6'4", 205-pound 18-year-old. <laughs> That's it's it's not very often that you, you know you you can get a full-size player that young, and like, it makes you wonder like you know as far as development and when like a, a kid like that starts to fill out a little bit, like what the real potential is too. Um, I definitely got that quality like for that stay-at-home sort of like puck responsible defenseman watching him run drills at the camp. Today. He's very comparable to a Robert Hay. Very, but just almost like, just, just bigger. <laughs> just, bigger. Just, I, I very much, I'm very much excited about picks like these because you know I, I am very much a fan of the the puck dominating, physical, large scale defenseman per se. I'm all about the sizing skill today, but um, it's the he definitely you know he definitely looks good. It's it is hard to tell sometimes because you know we've. We go to this camp every year. We always or make a point to go to this camp every year. And sometimes, you know, some players have a tendency to dissipate and fade away. You're like, oh, you know, whatever happens to that guy. You know, or like, you know, you kind of just hear a couple years later, he's like, you know, putting up numbers and like maybe with an ECHL club or like, you know, he just kind of made his way around like the, the lower ranks per se of professional hockey. Or sometimes they just seem to blossom like a, like a Shane Goss you know, who, you know, I believe like one of the very first kids we went to like featured a Shane Goss and we like it's not like he like stood out exceptionally to us like he was just like he was part of the fold 
And, you know, he was he's definitely solidified himself as one of the better picks the Flyers have been able to select in recent years. He so. was a third-round pick. Exactly. So, going on, of course, the Flyers didn't have a pick in the third round. Their next pick was at 112th overall, which was the fourth round. And we drafted Jack St. Ivani. I'm going to say Ivany. Ivany? I you know I can't I can't pronounce. I'm sorry. I'm um, gonna go with Jack Saint Ivany right Saint now. Saint Ivany, that sounds much better. Um, he plays for the Sioux Falls Stampede in the USHL. Again, he's 18. This is this draft year. I'm just clarify was the, the big 1999-2000 year. So again, it's making me feel very very old. He's from Manhattan Beach, California. He's 6'3", 198. Um, he's a late. The Flyers He's a bit of a late bloomer. Um, he actually was eligible for last year's draft and, and didn't get picked. Um, he used that as some motivation to go ahead, and he prepared to make the jump from the USHL to the collegiate game. Uh, he's committed to go play play for Yale in the fall. Um, he was an alternate captain for for the Sioux Fall for Sioux Falls, and um, he's in all situations defenseman at that time. And he played both ends the, both ends of the ice in special teams, as well as allowing considerable even strength time. You know, he's a good puck-moving defenseman, a good size profile. He's, he has a quick defensive stick, and it makes that all-important good first pass. And he poised, he's poised and sees the ice well. Um, overall, you know, he needs to work on his skating. Um, offense a little more also, and size, he's a little bit lanky, so he needs to beef up. Hextall was quoted as saying he has good size, moves well, kind of one of those steady Eddie types of guys. He saw with the puck, and he was a good fit for our group. Steady Eddie. With the hex stall for giving you the one liners, that's but, yeah, why we love them. Check that out, Yale. Yale commitment. You're getting a player and a scholar there. Yeah, yes, indeed. indeed. So uh, moving on to another pick in the fifth round, the 127 overall. Wyatt Wiley is yes. going to be my guess. Wyatt Wiley. Uh, he is actually was a teammate of Carter Hart's. Played for the good old Everett Silver Tips in the Western Hockey League. Um, from Everett, Washington. So good old American boy. Six foot one, 192. And the Flyers like him because he's a good, fluid, skating right-hand defenseman whose game has grown significantly over this time in the Western Hockey League. He was a late riser in this year's draft class. Um, definitely what added stock was his play for Everett in the postseason in the Western Hockey League. He's a defensively sound and good penalty killer, and he can move the puck up, and he can move the puck up the ice, and he can chip in offensively a bit. Um, his strengths, he's well above average mobility. He plays well within structure, maintains good gaps. And his two-way upside is a puck mover, a transitional D, and penalty killer. Some things he needs to work on is shot. It's despite it being heavy, it doesn't really project as an, an offensive dynamic shot. Um, offside play, you know, he's more effective on his strong side, being a right defenseman, than his offside. Although he's played different sides. And then one of the Flyers scouts, um, Mark Grieg, who's our WHL scout, is quoted as saying his makeup. His makeup is he's solid, steady guy. He's pretty good defender with a nice com- compete level, and he has the ability to make the simple play going forward. So there's nothing really flashy, but he's a pretty effective guy. Sounds like another typical right-handed defenseman that you take around this pick in the spot in the third round. Mm-hmm. We'll see what the future holds. I didn't really, I didn't really see him out there today because we were, we were watching kind of other I, I caught him prospects. So you catch glimpses of players here and there. You know, there's a lot of a lot of going on. You know, they have both ranks functional. You have the goaltenders, plus you have the defensemen, and you have forwards coming out in multiple different groups. So you just try to 
you try to get a base understanding of what we have to work with here in our prospect system. But yep. yeah, I caught him. He's he's good. I I'd, I'd say that's a pretty uh, accurate outline from what I saw. So. Moving on to another fifth round pick at 143 overall. Hexall can't control himself. He always has to, always has to take a goalie. We uh, selected Samuel Erson, who is from Sweden. Uh, plays for the Brynäs system, which used to be Felix Sandstrom's team. Uh, but he played for their junior 20 level, which is in the Super Elite League. Um, he's from Fallen, Sweden. He's 6'2", 180 pounds. You know, he's a goalie that comes. Brynäs is known kind of been of a Swedish goalie factory. Um, he's good in all positions. He obviously knows Felix Sandstrom. And he also played a little bit with Oscar Lindblom. He's in a left-catching goalie, and he's fluid mechanically and has diligent work habits. His strengths, he's an athletic, modern-style butterfly goalie. He takes good angles on the shooter and has above-average footwork. Developmental needs, he needs big-game experience. He only played three international games at the U19 level for Sweden and was a backup goalie at the U18 World, Worlds in 2017. He needs to be more consistent. As, 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 as with most teenage goaltenders, he needs to be more consistently replicate his top-end capabilities in various game situation areas in order to bring them up to NHL caliber. Hextall was quoted as saying, we weren't chasing a goalie, but we like his size. We like his athletic, athleticism. athleticism. Thank you. I can't pronounce that word for some reason today. We, back to Hextall's quote. We think there's some upside that there hasn't been tapped yet. We got him a lot late. We got him a lot later. If we needed a goalie, we would have taken him earlier. If a guy we like falls to a certain point, then we're going to take him. That's just making a point of saying that at some point in the draft, you have to take the best player eligible. And the Flyers at that point said he's the best player eligible, so let's take him. So then we go on to uh, the sixth round. The Flyers selected Gavin Hain, who was a player I did notice today at the the, um, prospect camp. He's Another U.S. player from the National Developmental Program in the USHL. Um, he's from Grand Rapids, Minnesota. He's 5'11", 195. Um, Flyers like him because he's a thick frame, two-way center. Plays with a lot of energy and gives a consistent, hard-working effort on both sides of the puck despite a slow start. And largely settling into bomb six role for the U.S. National, US National Development Program squad. Haynes still managed to score 15 goals this season. As a center, he got better as the season moved along. And the Flyers, the Flyers believe... He can become a solid role playing forward as a pro down the line. He's got his strengths. He's got he's tenacious on the forward check. He competes hard with the puck, good at protecting the puck, and he's willing to venture into high traffic areas. Some things he needs to work on are his experience. He's gone to he's committed to the University of North Dakota. Um, he's probably gonna need a couple college seasons there. His vision uh, needs to work on creating time and space. Unfortunately, you know Dave Haxtell is not the head coach there in charge of development. You know they pump. I'm sure Mr. Hayne could really uh, use some uh, pointers from him. Look <coughs> at you, North Dakota. We're not going to go there. We're not going another out. Back to Hayne and what it needs. He needs to work What's on up, his. Trots? He needs to work on his skating. And uh, Hexall was quoted as saying, "We think he's a good fit with our overall group. We like him, especially for where we selected him. He has traits that can help some areas that are tough to fill." Now we go into the seventh round. The Flyers selected Marcus Westfault. He's a center slash west winger. Um, we picked him two, 205 overall. He's again playing for Brynäs in the SHL. Um, he's from Stockholm, Sweden. He's 6'3", 205 pounds. Um, you know, the Flyers play him because he plays a straightforward North and South game, and it's effective at using his size effectively. Effective, effectively. Yes. He, he ain't Brynäs. He's blindness. Ha, ha, ha. 
Yes. Um, he's defensively aware, and he's a hardworking player. He's hard to take off the puck, and he's good in close quarters. Um, he's graduated to the pro level. He spent a lot of the majority of the 2017-2018 season in the SHL with the Bryant's men team. And he was a regular for Sweden's U8, U18 national team, and he saw some net front power play duty. His strengths, you know, he's big, strong, and versatile. He works hard below the dots and battles with the puck and willing to go to greasy areas. That's what sticks out to me right there. I, <laughs> this seems to be a very, very, very big draft. Like, not big as in, like, as far as production. Like, the players drafted by the Flyers, there's a very, there's a theme of big kids here. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you know, they're a player at the six, six foot three, 205 pounds, you know, and for, especially for a European forward per se, it is, it is very, very interesting just to see that sort of scouting report, like works, works hard below the dots and behind the net there, you know, especially, you know, go into those greasy areas, you know, that's a, that's good. It's definitely something overall. He was, uh, Westfelt was the last pick the Flyers took in the draft and, you know, something they would. We picked a lot from the from U.S. and Sweden. A lot of European picks. I, don't, I do realize. I don't think we took a single Canadian in the draft. Really? This year. Let me go back and look. We've got Sweden, Minnesota, Sweden, Washington, California, right. Sweden. A lot of Swedish Massachusetts and New York. The Flyers only took players from the U.S. or for Sweden this year. (laughs) The Flyers European scouts definitely spent a lot of time in Sweden this year. That's for sure. Um, And I hear it's a lovely country, so I'm not really complaining. Like I said, a lot of of big kids here. That's, that's, That's interesting. You know, like tall, really thick frames, very hardworking players. You know, that's... That's going to be an interesting move going I'm not forward. complaining. It seems that Hexall is getting better at the draft every year. It's one of definitely his big upsides to him. Well, obviously the draft is a big part of assessing and meet what a team, each team needs every year for those organizations. You know, in past years, we, you know, we've seen in the Hexall era, we've seen picks like, you know, Carter Hart. We've seen... You know, the Travis Sandheims, we've seen, you know, the Connectees and the Proveroffs, which or, are or Rubstaw, or Rubstaw, Rubstaw, which are all very, I mean, there's a lot of forward presence there, but there's also a lot of like uh, very finesse, swift, gifted, kind of like offensive talent there. I mean, granted, like obviously you get the players like Connectney who are still very much, they have that below the dot presence and are like in, in the corners grinding it out. But that seems to have been the main focus along with the goaltending as well as, you know, solidifying scoring. And it's interesting to see the shift after that, after we'll be able to kind of select these players and as they're coming up and coming through the draft process or the, the development process. You definitely notice one of the bigger issues we had this season was scoring from the wing and the center depth. Mm-hmm. And what did we take this year in the draft? A couple defensemen, but either big two-way centers – or scoring wingers. Right. So it's nice to see the Flyers focus on realizing what they need to get, like, and they went out and did that. You know, we, we always sit here and we always talk about how, you know, the Flyers just kind of definitely we, – we do have a very, at times, a pass-first mentality as a team, or I shouldn't say we, but the Flyers do, you know. And it's interesting to see Hextall, or at least we seem to think, assess the problem of, like, it would be nice to have, like, 
a shoot first player or somebody who is able to to finish the play or like look to you know score the goals instead of creating the opportunities because I feel as though we have like plenty of talent surrounded and focused on that. So I think you know Hexall probably seemed to have came out and tried to assess that problem. And granted, this is all very you know there's always the what if and this is could be more long term, but you know. <laughs> Yay for depth. <laughs> yes, we'll see what happens. So that covers our draft portion. Uh, now to begin to prospect camp. Um, like I said, I think this is the sixth or seventh year Jake and I have attended this tournament. In years past, we've gone, I think, one year. We went almost four days in a row. I think it definitely took a toll on my gas mileage. I remember one year we went almost the majority of the week. It's probably the first second year we went. But we've always made a point to go to see the new picks and see how mm-hmm. current picks have um, you know, developed over the years. It is called development camp, not rookie camp. I apologize for calling that earlier. My mistake. But um, it's nice because you see some of the older players. Like even after one year of pro in the American League, it's our last year eligible to go to this prospect camp. You kind of see how one year pro changed their game and elevated their game. And um, you definitely could see it. Uh, Philip Myers this morning, he looked more than ready. He almost at times looked a little like I don't, I don't want to say bored. But you could tell, like, he knew what he was doing. Right. And he was helping out other defensive prospects. He, and, like, the drills were just so – he looked so nonchalant in you doing can, them. You can tell with the return players that they, they know what they're doing. And that you, know, you could also tell that they've been there before. And it's, like, almost like they're doing it perfectly. Like, you're not really seeing a lot of errors. You can't really pick apart – You're beginning to question the, how much of the aspect of are they actually there to develop or are they just there to solidify the next step, maybe to get the invitations or rookie camp, potentially get an invitation, an invitation to uh, training camp, maybe mm-hmm. an opportunity to compete with the Flyers in the preseason. Also, an opportunity to earn that entry-level contract too. Exactly. So I, uh, I, I just, I think the Flyers are definitely smart about this. I think that they're they're airing the side of caution, trying to ensure the best possible development for their picks and their players, you know, but um, there are definitely with, you know, the, the return guys like the Philippe Myers and the Pascal Labarges, and they just kind of have, they have that for not for non-professional players per se, or semi-professional players. They have that veteran presence. They that the, the veteran the camp. swagger. Right, right. They definitely, they, they, they play and they, they carry themselves like they've been there before. So that's, you know, rewarding <laughs> definitely saw um a couple of things you know defenseman slot obviously was Philip Myers uh we got there a little late this morning so we didn't see all the defensive slot but you know from what I saw it, it looked good and the only really defenseman I was again I was paying attention to this morning was Philip Myers and he just solidified my position my position on him more of thinking that he should be on this team come training camp and come preseason and definitely come next regular season but we'll have to see how that plays out um do you notice any other defenseman today besides Myers? Uh, Myers is definitely the big one. Um, I think he's definitely the one that's put the time, he's put the work in. Um, Who might say he was a diamond of the rough? Undrafted you free said agent. You we weren't going to do this again. I know, but it just it just rolled off my diamond, tongue so easily. A diamond in the rough. Philippe Myers went undrafted through his draft year, and we signed him like the next day after the draft. And Hex was like, I can't believe no one drafted this guy. And we're like, well, you could have. But we got very, very lucky to get him. He, he definitely shows qualities of a guy, you know, who 
you know, he didn't really have much to work with. You know, goes undrafted, kind of gets signed outside of the fact. And, you know, he, he's given himself the opportunity and shown that, you know, this is – I'm somebody who should have been picked. I'm not somebody who should have been turned – like, you know, looked over. And, I, and like I said, he's done, he's done the work. He's put the time in. So I, I think he definitely is deserving of an opportunity. Um, you know, but that's – it comes down to the Flyers. I uh, – it should be interesting, you know, especially, you know, our team is looking better and better, I feel, as a defensively each year. And, you know, at this point, you know, I would hope we're looking towards putting the finishing touches on potentially a contending defense core. So I think maybe Philip Myers has the quality to give us that. I, I don't know. We'll see. But other than that, I don't um, – I'm not necessarily sure that, like, you know, anything particularly stood out to me as far as defense goes, more so maybe the forward group and the uh, goaltending. If you would like to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll switch to forwards. To forwards, that's like Gerwin Rubstov was one of the big players that came to New Ox today. And you know, he freshly coming off his Memorial Cup championship with the – Akvi Bathurst Titan, and he looked very skilled. And he's this is his, I believe, his second, second year because his first year that he was drafted, he was still over in Russia and wasn't eligible to come to the camp because of KHL contract issues. Um, but he, you know, his speed, his shot, his skating, his composure, all of the things that you look for in a hockey player were on display today. And he looked very attentive and very sharp in the drills. I was very impressed with his camp today. Um, any thoughts on Rubsoff? No, German Rubsoff. Ever since we drafted him, he's always been a player that I've always, you know, really been excited about. Um, I was obviously a little disappointed with the contractual uh, complications in his first year, or what would have been his potentially his first camp. Um, and I, I feel as though I never really got the opportunity to see him until now. But like, you know, he's as advertised. You know, he draw. You know, in his draft, I remember them saying he draws a lot of comparison to that larger framed like like that working but very like offensively skilled Russian forward like a like an Evgeny Malkin. He is a natural center, but you know, everyone's come to assume now that if he's gonna have any success, he's definitely suited off being better as a winger. Mm-hmm. And I'm fully fine that because the Flyers have so much well, different center good, right it, now. It's it's good to have diversity. Diverse well. the versatility so, as well. Did, you so. know, you can it's always good to have a universal player out there and it's well you know, so Rupsoff has experience at center, whether he like settles as a winger, it matters not. But I was very much I, – I was flattered by the comparison of, like, being drawn to, like, Evgeny Malkin or that – I don't know. I, I sort of been blanking if there was any other names thrown out there. No, just really but, just Malkin. So if but, he turns up being Malkin, I'm fine with that. So, <laughs> I mean, no so, complaints I mean, here. We'll take, I'll, I'll take it. But, like, he was – like I said, as advertised, he was, you know, he was quick. You know, his shot was ex- impressive. His awareness and vision on the ice is good, especially for, you know, a tall, larger frame player. He moves well. Um, skates well, so you know I'm I'm excited. It definitely, there is no shortage of players to watch coming through the the prospects farm. Nope. And then uh, Morgan Frost, who was the 2017-2018 leading scorer of the Ontario Hockey Frost. League. Let's, let's chunk out some time to talk about him. Let's do it. So Morgan at, at the well, to be fair, at the time last year, um, he was the draft pick that we got in the Brayden Shen deal in last year's draft. And everyone was like, Morgan Frost. reason to talk about it. Everyone else except for Jake was like, who the hell is this Morgan Frost kid? Why would we pick him in the first round? Everyone else had him pegged in the second or third round. I love him. And then ever since then, he was like, Ethan's, shut up. Let me play the hockey. 
and he's just come out and uh, led the entire OHL in scoring. He's put on size. He looks size dynamic. There was some thoughts that, you know, he was going to be a player who needed some time to develop because he was an undersized player. But from last year to this year, I even noticed the dude got some gains. He's been a swole bro. He definitely yeah. packed on some muscle, well, and it showed in his play and his um, his ability to protect the puck. And all, and all, all aspects of his game improved from last year. And, you know, I don't – he could very well have a good shot of doing something come training camp. Oh, definitely. I mean – I'm very excited to talk about this, of course, because like I said, this 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 all stems from something that I truly wholeheartedly believe that I am right in, which is yes, can you pass Dave, ask anybody that knows me, I am an absolute jerk about that kind of thing. But you know, like you you know, you have you have the acquisition of players like Platera and you get to you acquire the picks through the trade of Braden Shen and there's that initial shock with the fan base and People are like questioning and not so sure if that was the right move or the right way to go. You know, what are we missing? Getting rid of Braden Shan, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> anyway, here comes leader of the free world, king of the Andals, protector of the realm, Morgan Frost. <laughs> here we go. That boy, I'm telling you, everybody was like, oh, he's a little undersized. Oh, he doesn't skate that well. Oh, you know. What is his actual potential and growth into, you know, the National Hockey League, what have you? We're a little concerned, you know, what is, what's the trade-off, you know, what have you, et cetera, so on and so forth. But, you know, after having an exceptional season, you know, leading his team, leading scoring in the OHL, you know, definitely hit the gym, like you said, gained about at least 10 pounds of muscle. He, he came out there and he he, he kind of brung it, you know, he, he was – his presence at the camp, I would say, is like, I don't want to say he was like a man amongst boys, because I feel like that's something we always would like. That's our peg for like, you know, players like that come out with like progress. Like that's the that. peg in hockey in general. You know, he was a man amongst boys, but he, he had an assertive presence, you know, there. Like I said, like, you know, his his skating has improved. Like he's he looks bigger. He's more powerful in the puck. His shot, you know, like... All assets, all all areas, I definitely feel like he, he's worked on and he definitely has, you know, grown within a year's time. And he just sells him time. You know, I think he's definitely got maybe another year or two of junior, you know, maybe with he can you know, spend some time with the fans after that. I don't know. It all depends on how well his development goes. But I'm impressed with Morgan Frost. Maybe you can call me biased. Maybe it's because I'm a huge fan of the trade and acquisition of the pick. But – I, I don't know, Dave. I feel like you. I feel like you want to say say some stuff. I feel like you want to give me a little sidebar shade here. No, 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 no shade at all. At the time, I was not a fan of the pick because I was a I was a pro Braden Shen person. One of those. But now I'm like, thank you for leading Braden Shen. We have Morgan Frost. Ah, yes. He's here to stay now. Ah, yes. Um, his hands today and in close. Yes. Thank you for reminding. Literally, he pulled off. Sometimes when you're watching hockey and you see a ridiculous move, you just start laughing because you're like, holy bleep, did I just see it's that really happen? Like he, Morgan Frost thing. was making me giggle at Prospect Camp this morning, down close, in front, and this poor attendee. Now, when the Flyers have Prospect Camp, like their the main goalies at camp have their own ice and their own ice time, so the goalies used that the defensemen and forwards shoot on are just guys – 
are goalies, the Flyers invite out that play local juniors or a beer, or like they're like players. college level players or A level beer league players. This poor goalie was just getting just eaten alive by Morgan Frost's hands. I felt so bad for him, but it was it was funny to watch in a good way. He definitely uh, <laughs> he definitely put it on for for today and today's a performance at camp. I <sighs> definitely made a strong impression. Moving on, um, Isaac Radcliffe, who just recently got named the captain of his junior team of the um, Guelph Storm in the OHL, he had a very impressive camp. His skating looked good. His shot was heavy, and he was really leaning into his wristers today. And you heard me say he got some wicked wristers today. Yeah, definitely. Isaac Radcliffe, he can shoot him. He can shoot with the best. That's for and sure. And he, he's a big boy. He's like, he's got a shot that will make you poop yourself. I'm not even gonna. And, and I'm not even gonna front. I literally, on many occasions this morning, almost dookie. Almost dookie. <laughs> almost dookie. I hear Isaac Radcliffe right a now. He's a gamer. He can play, man. Right he now, can shoot. Isaac Radcliffe is six six and two hundred and one pounds, and he's Shut a power us. forward. Imagine if Isaac Radcliffe puts on 10, 15, 15 20 more pounds of muscle. He could be the next big dominant power forward in today's game. And so the, I'm very excited about this pick. Another player move on that I'm excited about, but definitely is a project, is Matthew Strome. All right. Some pegged him as being one of the better st- – out of the Strom brothers, he was originally going to supposed to be like the best one, but he was the only one who didn't go in the first round. He was a fourth round selection in last year's draft by the Flyers. His shot's good, his hands are good, his hotness is there. But man, does he need to work on his skating? It was definitely an impairment that I noticed this morning at camp. And he, when hockey players want don't really understand or they want to see how a, a drill is done, they will always go to the back of the line and watch how others do it before they go. Sure so hopefully that. they don't embarrass themselves. I'm guilty of doing it when I played in high school, and I'm sure Jake was too. Well, like, like I told you when this all kind of came down, like, you know, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that I, like, I wasn't sure I could do it. I just wanted to see it because, like, every time they explain the drill, it's like, all right, oh, well, I got to see this first. Like, you know, because like, these coaches watch, don't know what I'm talking about. I'd watch, I'd watch, I'd watch what they do. You know, what those like, you know, go getter types kind of go out there, lead the charge, and I'm like, all right, got that. But, but yeah, I mean, we don't want to try and bury the kid. Burying the guy, but he, it was. It was the skating was a noticeable thing. Like I don't know if it's good or if it's bad. I don't like. I, I I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make a. I'm not gonna try and comment on like, you know, how it's affecting him now. Like I mean, I definitely think like you know, he, he he's you know his rights are owned. He was drafted by we signed to a contract NHL club. He has his entry level when he's ready. I, I just I just think it's it's something that definitely stuck out to me, kind of like a sore thumb, and it it wasn't so much like his skating was like just that poor. It's just like it's almost like he looked like unsure while doing the drills, a little, a little unconfident. Yeah, there was there was a slight like lack of confidence. Now, granted, okay, you know, there's there is like people who skate well, and but like you know there's there's 
definitely an art to it. And, you know, especially when it comes to edge work. And some of these were like pretty intricate edge work drills. Of course, this is all for the sake of development. But, you know, we can only talk so much because we, you know, be on our arse, arses the whole time. Like, <laughs> sliding across the ice. How about that for edge work? But, um, you know, it definitely, he, he looked, it was... He definitely looked like not very driven or like there was definitely like there was some sort of unconfident like quality. Like I think like even the coaching staff, like not that they were paying extra attention to him, like he was, you know, that like that's the weak spot of the drill or whatnot. But like you're like, you're right. He would definitely take like the later position in the line. And, you know, it definitely seemed like when he would take his time a little more, you know, it was just co- sort of like a little, a little difficult. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to say about it. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's, it's like for, for somebody like who's obviously like, he, he's pretty good. Like he, he can play, but like, it's just, I guess to, to have something stick out like that, you know, especially with, you know, somebody like that. Where, you know, where I get a little concerned is his, his two older brothers, Ryan and Dylan are pretty good skaters. There was something they were known for. He's the youngest out of both of them. Did the parents not invest as much skating lessons in Matthew as they did, as they did with Ryan and Dylan? Because Ryan and Dylan can skate. And I'm not saying that Matthew can't, but it's definitely an issue. Um, because I don't want to harp on it. That's, I want to try and be funny there. But it, when we got into shooting drills... Um, his shot's definitely good. Like the kid can he, score. He loosened up. For he sure. loosened it's up. Just, like you could see an attitude yeah, change he, in him. Um, like I, I definitely think that. Dylan, I mean, I, I did almost. I kind of felt bad, you know, because it was, it was almost like, you know, in that situation, you can tell he knows it's an issue. It, it's something that I think he proactively is trying to work on. But it, there's it people in seems, the stands watching this happen. It seems to be. It, it seems to be something that's like plagues him. Like, especially, like, as far as that side of his game. He may not be, like, the strongest, like, skater, like, on the technical side, like, especially when it comes to, like, edge work and, like, the intricacies of skating and hockey. But, like, like I said, he can play. Like, when you would, when they started to run other drills and you'd see, like, the shooting and, like, the play, the player making drills and all that stuff. Like I said, he started to loosen up a little bit. And you definitely saw, you know, the side of Matthew Stroom that, you know, the Flyers drafted. You know, yeah. so it, I think there's obviously a lot of potential. I mean, it is a concern with the skiing. Um, it's a fast game. It's it's a it's a very skill based game now, but like especially in the NHL and professional hockey. But like, I don't think. I mean, luckily this is a development camp. Luckily he's at the right place, and this, these are the areas to work. You know, and even after this, he could go home and you know continue to work on it. So, who knows? Strom's definitely he's a project. He's going to probably play the rest of his years eligible in the OHL. And probably one or two years in with the Phantoms, unless something drastic changes. Yeah, but you never rule those guys out. You know, the late bloomers are sometimes always the ones worth waiting for. It's very so, true. So, Matthew Stroom. Yep. Uh, moving on, also, uh, Joel Farabee. Joel Farabee. Was another standout at camp Joel today. ain't no one to be Farabee. He That's was, my boy. He was not messing around. He proved that we took him at 14 for a reason. Um. It got me even more excited for this player, and you could definitely see it in his his wrist shot, hard and heavy, and accurate, and that's what you want in the shoot first swinger. And this, he's very comparable almost at times to a Jake Gensel, 
And so I will take that any day of the week. Oh, for sure. <laughs> if you if you if you can put Joel Farabee in a couple of years with a Nolan Patrick and a Travis Konechny, or even an aging, you know, maybe Sean Couturier and Claude Giroux, where he fits in the lineup, who knows what we'll see, because it's at least going to be a year, maybe two years, till we get him somewhere. Wait, not the sidebar, but do you, you see the comments that I was Eric Otterbach, yes. F. Scar. Life's not fair, is it, Eric? <laughs> anyway, going back. Oh, yeah. never be king, and you... Matthew Sturm skating will never see the light of another day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're terrible. But yes. We're the, terrible. There be definitely shown that there's lots of upside and he's going to be a very good player for a long time. He's he's definitely somebody who like I saw like like especially during a drill, right? Like these these are drills, it's not, it's not like game situation. But he's definitely a guy, you know, who has not the bludgeon, the confidence factor, who has the ability to walk in and pick a corner, you know, or he definitely has like that quality where he's like, he's going to, he's going to take charge with his ability to shoot and score. You know, that's like a big deal. Cause like we've talked about, like in the flyers, other than, you know, other aspects, like maybe goaltending and in years past defense, the flyers seem to have not had a player that had the ability to just kind of go in there and just, just, just finish it. Like go in there and score a goal. Hope like get one for the team per se. And that's, you know, that's exciting. Hopefully we you know, we'll see that in Farabee. I think, you know, he's showing, you know, shades of it now. So. Yep. Uh, Jay O'Brien. Big thing that stood out to me was his, his skating and his hands today. The shot was okay. But he, his hands today were really on display, and I thought that right. this this could be. He, he's, he's a little. He needs, he needs to bulk up, obviously. Right. He needs to play at Providence, and he could be a very important pick down the line. Is that who he committed to, Providence? He committed. He's committed to Providence. I, I might have missed that. He's supposed to play at Providence College next year. Providence Friars. Let's go. But um, yeah, I think I think definitely, you know. Like I said before, maybe in the the outline for the draft, Jay O'Brien really reminds me of like a Johnny Gaudreau, like that's that smaller scale player, but he's very quick. You know, he's very quick. He's a, he's a very hexdolly pick. Right, right. He's very he's very fast. His he skates well. He skates quickly, and I think like that's another thing that really sticks out is his hands. You know, I mean, what when you think of Johnny Gaudreau, like, what do you, what, what do you picture? I picture Johnny Gaudreau coming in on the off wing, you know, on a half break, you know, taking somebody to school, <laughs> taking somebody to school, whether it's on a wrist shot or he's just going to stick handle around the crease to put the puck in. Like, I definitely think that, you know, Jay O'Brien is definitely the kind of kid that exemplifies that level or that style of play. So, I mean, like like Dave said, you know, he could fill out a little bit, you know, but, you know, that's part – that's also part of the development process. But I was I was impressed, you know. I was very impressed. Uh, were there any other forwards that, you know, Pascal Bart's good as always. Uh, Pascal Bart's turning pro this next is, year. Last year in camp, I think, you know, the guy, you know, paid his dues. You know, I'm probably going to see him with the – yeah. you want to talk about that, you know, the fans are going to look pretty good soon. I, I definitely think, you know, not – not to rule anything out, but like oh, with a lot of these players who seem to be bound to have careers in the NHL first, um, you know, guys like a Labarge and, you know, uh, Mikhail Vorobiev, you know, there's, 
you know, the Flyers just recently resigned to Samuel Moran, you know, and they, they, they have a, they have a chance. They, they, they could build something up there in Allentown, which, you know, it, it's pretty good, you know, to have that, that reflects your organization, especially up at the, at the NHL level. So all good things. Uh, as far as forwards, I don't, I don't know who else maybe really we could talk about. Um, so we, we can, we can take it, we can take a chunk and move on to our, our, our so-called acclaimed son. Okay. Now it's the time. Let's do it. Ladies Let's and gentlemen, please hear your schedule because now comes the Carter Hart section of this podcast. Oh, oh the goalies today. I just disintegrated. Carter Hart and Felix Sandrum and I believe Matis Tomik were group the group A goalies. Matas Tomik. And Tomik is out of class with Sandstrom and Hart. It was almost kind of funny to watch at times. Um, Tomek, I don't really see him having a career with the Flyers in any extent in the future. Maybe the ECHL, maybe the Phantoms, but I think he's going to go back and be a European well, goalie. Yeah. A point I would like to make is, like, you know, Tomek's good. I definitely I definitely think Tomek, you know, has the potential. He definitely has a funny side, picking 69 as a number. David. David Morris. I'm not. I'm not going any further than that. Our David listeners Morris should understand that. Family program. And nothing is wrong with the number sixty-nine. <sighs> this is We're fine. We're fine. Moving on. And, but yeah, like you know, but Tomac, he he is like with a, with a goaltender. Goaltender is like when you have quarter heart and you have Sandstrom. It just they're just. There's guys, it's not so much like that Tomac doesn't qualify, but they're on like a very, they're on a different level. And S- like, Sancho and Hart are considered the members of the elite hockey, you know, goalie prospects. Yeah, for, on a prospects level, that's for sure. I mean, I definitely think like Dave and I for, like have, will, and will continue to just, you know, endorse Carter Hart until the end of time. But, you know, and, but also, you know, not to neglect any speaking time to Felix Sandstrom as well, who was just as exceptional. Um, it looked, they both of which looked good today. You know, I thought, I mean, of course I think Carter Hart, you know, both of I, but you and I are both Carter Hart hopefuls. Um, yes. But, you know, both Sandstrom and Hart definitely looks good. They, you know, they seem to be running, running a lot of uh, in, in close drills, especially like a lot of crease work. Um, a big thing is like, I, not so much the deflection, but I think a lot of rebound drills, like you definitely saw, you know the the uh, the, the coaching staffs like in right there in front of the net. They have the puck set up to side, like looking for that like reaction play. Um, <laughs> my first all favorite, the all faithful cross crease drill, where they had the guy posted up on the other end in the top of the circle, feeding the other coach the puck, and you have to have like a guy like Harder Sandstrom or even Tomek come over and make the cross crease save on the pad. That's you know. As anyone who plays video games would call that the all faithful glitch goal where you can go cross crease on like a break or a half break with a player, it's almost guaranteed to score. It's not as accurate in the NHL and professional levels in real life, but it's very much it's a very successful way of scoring goals. And it's it's something important to work on in today's modern day goalie, you know, especially with the game so mobile and like, you know, passing is, you know such a large part of the game nowadays, you know, as far as playmaking more specifically, but yeah, Carter Hart, man, dude, I just can't shut up about him. He's, 
He is so He awesome. looked really good, and he was already rocking some orange and black colored scheme pads. I saw on social media today that he has two, he already has, he had two masks made. He had a mask for the Phantoms made, and then he also had a Flyers mask made. So he's being prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely looks like, you know, he's ready to turn pro. Oh, for sure. I, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of interesting, you know, and what really, I, I feel like to help better establish what Dave and I are talking about, and to, when you watch, when you watch players like that, in the process of, you know, like training and practicing and developing, and you watch them work the drills, especially in close, like I said, with a lot of crease work. Um, you just watch how they function, kind of like watch through their instinctual uh, way of like making saves and how they play. You know, whereas like you'll, you'll see like Tomac, or even maybe Sandstrom will come down into the butterfly and to make the save. They're very much in the net, you know, almost like they're, they're trying to close off. They're the, way more the conservative. Gap, the gap in between the red line and like the space behind it, like where it would qualify as a goal. And you'd see that adjustment because also like, you know, you can't have your pad too much in because once it crosses the line, it crosses. But you know, Hart, he's right out there. He's like he's confident. He's he just comes out and he he comes to he comes in, you know, almost like he challenges the shooter. You know, he he challenges the the you know the potential scorer. So and like he just he moves so well, and like especially when like just the speed and like going up and down from the butterfly up into his upright position, it's just like so slips. Like everything he does is elite, and it just I'm just so excited to see him play. Whether it was with the Fams, the Flyers, it's just oh, man. and it's still technically if he plays with the Fams next year, he still has one more year one more year eligibility at this prospect camp. And at this point, I'm kind of like, I don't want him back there next year. Yeah, because... But we still have Michael Neuberth and Brian Elliott for one more year. Woo! I guess you just, you just kind of have to, like, question, what's the value of having him there? Exactly. You know, what's the value? And I don't, I, I don't see. Unless don't. he comes out and rocks everyone's socks off in training camp and goes, well, we have to have him with the Flyers. Mm-hmm. You know, even Carey Price, who we compare Hart to, Price didn't start out with the Canadians. He played five games with the AHL. With in their AHL. In the AHL with the Canadians part of the time, which the Hamilton Bulldogs? Right? What is At that time I believe they were still the Hamilton, the Hamilton Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Yeah. You know, make granted he only made he only played five games, but it was five games for enough of Montreal to trade Chris Ball Huey and call Carey Price up. So, for all we know, Hart could not make a team go down to the minors, play lights out in the American League, and then Hexy would be forced to do something. Just to, just to shed, some, shed some light on this scenario, like, you know, especially with players who don't necessarily always make the jump from junior or college or, like, you know, you know, non-professional hockey to the NHL. That's not always – that's not, like, a deterrent. Or that's not always, like – something that cripples a player. I mean, you talk about Carter, or not Carter. We are talking about Carter Hart. See, even even when I want to talk Carey Price, I'm still thinking Carter Hart. But, you know, you want to talk about Carey Price, who, you know, who spent some time with the Hamilton Bulldogs. How about how about P.K. Subban, another player, who spent some time with the P, like at, the, at least a season or two, with the Hamilton Bulldogs before he even made the jump to the Canadians. And look at him. Well, e- easily, easily a poster child for a defenseman in the modern day NHL. Uh, 
let's talk about home examples. Claude Giroux with the Philadelphia Fams, you know, well over 100 points this season. Started with the Fams. I remember watching Claude Giroux shoot for the Fams in like in like in the shoot. I remember watching like a game at the Hopeless oh, Backstrom. We're gonna talk memories right now. Back in the day, back in the day at the good old, good old Spectrum, wonderful building it was. You know, watching the fans go into like, like almost like a 15 round shootout. Of course, they're just reusing Claude Giroux. He shot at least like six times that night. He definitely, he easily scored five times. You know, it was almost like it was just unfair. You know, at that point, like that's kind of like where you like you started to realize like this guy was the real dude. I think he's ready to make the jump to the NHL, which shortly after happened. I think this is like 2000, 2009. but still, it's like the next year, it was like the next year. Like it was, it was phenomenal. But like I said, he spent time. He spent this, about a season or two there before he really, you know, bridged the gap to the NHL. So that's not always that's not always a sign of doom per se for a player. Yeah. You know. The AHL, the AHL is a good, it's a good reference, a good source as far as development. But we shall, we see. shall see indeed. Carter Hart, man, oh my God, I'm just ready. But you know, if if he needs some seasoning, if he needs to be put back on the grill for a little bit, it's fine by me. Uh, Felix Sandstrom again looked good. Uh, he's going back to Sweden next year. Um, who knows when we're going to see him in Orange and Black? We have a log jam in the goal position prospect wise. So until we get some contracts out, Sandstrom's staying over in Sweden. Uh, I believe he has actually one more year left on his contract. With um, He now plays for HV71 in the SHL. But um, we'll see where that goes. At least he's now signed to a contract by the Flyers. So whenever he's done his obligation in Sweden, he can come over if there's a room. Uh, any other things you want to talk about at the prospect camp before we move on to other stuff? No, I think, I think we... Pretty much covered everything I would like to talk about personally. So, look, future is bright. Future is bright, and fan attendance was fan attendance was very well. Jake and I got down at the camp this morning around 10 a.m. and the parking lot was full. You know, people are excited about where this team is going. So it's definitely a lot of good good things. Uh, moving, switching more into more news. The Flyers also last week tendered all their restricted free agents, offering them qualifying offers except for one. They did not send Peter Morassic a qualifying offer. Many of us saw that happening because after a pretty good start with the Flyers in his first three games, he was pretty much terrible in every game he played since, and at one point in the playoffs, being scratched. So we wish him the best of luck in free agency. It also wasn't worth it because we had to give up a pick to get him, and also then if we re-signed him, Detroit got another draft pick out of it. So it seems like this is the best scenario going forward. Um, they re-signed Sam Moran to a new three-year extension. Although this year, you know, he was injury-plagued. I'm still excited for the potential of Sam Moran on this team. Um, you know, they re- they offered Myers. They offered tender deals to Adanik Martel, which was he was one of the best players in the American League. You know, um, Stolars, Lyon, Goldburn, all those guys. That were Hague. Um, so definitely going forward, you know, either these players can accept the tender offer. If not, then we own their rights and they can negotiate pretty much until whenever they sign a deal or they can get offer sheeted by another team and then we get compensation if we choose not to accept that contract. It's kind of, 
it's kind of a way of trapping players. <laughs> you know, you definitely have them kind of enclosed. Well, it's it's, but it's that it's way. A, it's, it's a way so that you maintain your yeah. draft pick for a little bit longer after their entry level contract stop. If you mm-hmm. want to continue the development to see where he goes, because normally if a player is going somewhere, you get your ELC, you get a bridge, then you get tendered, you get a bridge contract, or that's like one or two more years at a smaller dollar value. Then if you continue to develop the way that you think you're going to develop, then you get your big payday on your third contract yeah. when you're able to be a UFA, which is an unrestricted free agent for those who don't know hockey verbiage or sports verbiage. Jargon. Yes, jargon. Jargon. That's not a soft G. Jargon is not a soft G. Because it's spelled with a J, I'm pretty sure. Are you sure jargon's spelled Jar- Oh, jargon. It's later in the word. I, I thought you were referencing the so the beginning is G, is a J. Is a J. I thought you were referencing the good old first letter in the word. No, like, no, what no, is no. this guy talking? About? No, I mean, what am I talking about? Happy five. But regardless, um, any thoughts on the restricted free agents that we tend qualified or didn't qualify? Uh, I think it's typical. <laughs> it definitely it, it strikes me as you know, flyers move. <laughs> and also the. You know, the ball was in Mrazic's court. Right. It was up to him if we re-signed him or not. Because if he had played well and played to the point where we offered him a contract, Elliot or Neuberth was gone. I think it's a And same. Elliot and Neuberth outplayed him. Right. I definitely think, you know, the Flyers are on the side of caution. Doing, like, take, approaching it that way. And, you know, it, like I said, I could, I could say this is a very typical Flyers move. But, you know, it's I, I think that they made the right decision. Um... You know, I mean, we talked about earlier, maybe like Axtall, you know, spoke about, you know, a little bit of regret not being able to get a certain deal done in the draft, maybe referencing a Ryan O'Reilly. You know, we, only time will tell what really happens with that or other potential scenarios come July 1st. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely think that, you know, that was that was well played in the Flyers. This is a smart move. Uh, going on some other news, there, there were uh, a couple trades that happened recently, most recently, the other day. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins sent Connor Sherry and Matt Honlick to the Buffalo Sabres for a conditional 2019 draft pick. The dethroning and clipping of the wings of the Pittsburgh Penguins has begun. And so it begins. And it's marvelous. Die, Pittsburgh, die! Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So good to say. What? Connor, to Sidney Crosby, one of your penguins, Pittsburgh Penguins, not just the, not the city of Pittsburgh, not the Pirates, not the Bucks, not the Steelers, you know, just 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 the Penguins, just just the Pittsburgh Penguins. Say it with me, Dave. Pittsburgh Penguins, Penguins, die Penguins. Actually, no. Death to we the do, six. We, death, we don't we don't want any of them to actually to die. The success of but the yes, Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes. The reign of tyranny hopefully is over. Yes. The the House Lannisters, per se, of the NHL. Stop. Stop. The Joffreys of the NHL. Yes. The Pittsburgh Penguins are the Joffrey Lannister of yes. hockey. Joffrey Lannister. And their time... Thank you for talking, Joffrey Lannister. The time is ending. So, good on them. Sidney Cross, you wanted your weapons and wing, is now gone. See you about here. Good riddance. Adios, amigos. Going the, forward. The Pittsburgh Penguins called up Connor Sherry. They're like, the Philadelphia Flyers send their regards. You've been traded. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Game of Thrones and hockey. What more do you want in life? 
Um, another trade that was a big trade uh, that was announced right around the draft or after the draft was involving the Calgary Flames and the Carolina Hurricanes. Sorry. Noah Hannafin and Elias Slimholm, and all with a draft pick, I believe, were sent to the Calgary Flames for Dougie Hamilton, Michael Furland, and Adam Fox. I love these trades. It's just this, like, that's, that's a you're good. throwing so much and you know, receiving so much on both ends. It's just like, all right, wait, wait for the dust to settle for a second to see who would be like, I mean, if you want to discuss who won the trade or who got the best value per se. Only time's going to tell. Yeah, like, I think both teams got good pieces in right. it. Um, I'm surprised that Carolina is giving up on Noah Hannafin. Yeah. Um, but they're getting Douglas Hamilton back and they're getting Michael Furland. <laughs> who, if you're a Calgary Flames fan, I think you're mad that your team I'm, gave I'm, up Furland. I'm disappointed that Calgary gave up Furland. Michael, just... Michael Furland is a good, tough, rugged, average-sized winger who can fight, play physical, and can score greasy goals. I, I and he can play anywhere in your lineup. Michael Furland. And he's a player that teams and people love to hate because you want him on your team so bad. And now Michael Furland is in our division. Michael Furland, he he just, I think he he really does offer a lot, uh, you know, to to at least I thought the Calgary Flames. I mean, I guess they didn't concur, but you know, I mean, I definitely think you know the the Carolina Hurricanes required a good one in Michael Furland and, as well and as Dougie up, Hamilton too. as well as picking up you know more depth on the defense and Dougie Hamilton. Granted, that is very questionable that they're giving up on Noah Hannafin per se, or like. Definitely parting with, you know, a first-round pick like that. But number five overall. Time will tell, you know. Yeah, not only of – not even a first overall pick – no, sorry, not first overall. Not even a first-round pick, but, like, a, like, literally a top-five pick, you know. Especially top, a top-five pick as a defense. But that's, that's, a, that's a – you know, that's usually a great acquisition. But, you know, there's always a reason for everything, I suppose. So Yep. Well, we shall see. And now Dougie Hamlin's back in the Eastern Conference, and he led the league in defenseman goals scored this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. There's some rumors coming out about Dougie Hamlin that he's a bit of a lock, not a good locker room guy, that he cares more about his own stats than the team's success. But Calgary this past year was a dumpster fire, so we'll you know see what? how he does in Carolina. But you know the thing is about that? You know what that sounds like to me? If you're getting reports like that, if someone's monitoring their own stats and progress, that really means, like, one thing. Especially if you're on sort of like a mediocre performing team, that sort of means you're bulking up your stock. And what for what reason? If you're keeping track of that, like ultimately, I mean, you made it. You're in the NHL. Yeah, you're monitoring your stats, which is cool, and it's great to be part of like achieve things individually. But like, why does it matter to you so much at that point? I mean, that to me seems like an indirect reference of Dougie Hamilton wanted out of Calgary. I don't know if I'm digging here, but like you understand what I'm saying. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's a, it's a strange thing to, to come out of that. But we shall see. Overall, see. it's a good hockey trade. I'm a fan of the trade. Um, it thinks the Flyers gonna do something. Maybe if it only costs that much to get Dougie Hamilton. That's first. But then you know, again, the asking price to certain people. You know, I would not be willing to give up with Travis Sanheim or Robert Hager or anything like that to get Dougie Hamilton. Right. Um. But, of course, now free agency is Sunday, July 1st. And the big story is where is John Tavares going to sign? Is he going to stay the captain of the New York Islanders? Or is he going well, to... Allegedly, we're supposed to figure that out today. 
according to Angel.com, early this morning, Tavares is letting the Islanders know if he's staying or leaving. Um, the frontrunners assigning him are not the Flyers, which I'm not really surprised. A lot of fans are angry, but I'm we, we, I'm not angry at all. Um, he's going to want a big contract because he's aging, and we have a lot of prospects coming up, so I'm cool with it. But the big players are Toronto, Tampa Bay, uh, San Jose, and Dallas are the big players. And apparently the Toronto Maple Leafs made a, according to Darren Drager of TSN up in Canada, the Maple Leafs were the first team that Tavares met with in the five-day uh, window before free agency. And they made a very good and huge um, video montage clip sent to him that apparently Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews were a part of. And it impressed John Tavares a lot, supposedly. The video montage. It, like, they set up, like, a video, like, highlight reel. Is that, like, a mixtape? <laughs> kind of. Did, did Toronto literally send John Tavares their mixtape, like, to, signed to my label? To Tor- Toronto? Toronto? The Maple Leafs called up Drake and, like, listen, we know you're putting out an album Friday, but can you help us get John Tavares back home to Toronto? And Drake was like, I got you, fam. <laughs> John Tavares is like, sorry, Toronto. I only love my bed in Long Island. I'm sorry. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I'm just kidding. But his mom was back home in Toronto area. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, that's... Does he love his own? He's better his mama? Okay, or is he sorry? <laughs> Drake, Drake references aside, that is a... Like that, well, I kind of thought about that before when you had mentioned that about Toronto being a, a really big potential landing spot for him. Because, like, he's from the Toronto area. He's in Ontario, born born and raised, especially like in that that network there. And I definitely the think the greater Toronto area, the greater Toronto area. So I definitely think there's an appeal for him to like come home per se. And you know that's very interesting that you know, Toronto Maple Leafs come up with enough strong enough media to convince a player. But you know, Dallas is interesting too. Hmm. But I don't know. Doubt. Can you imagine John Tavares with like working with like a Jamie Ben? And Tyler Sagan. <laughs> but I, I think if he doesn't re-sign with the Islanders, I think he's going to go to Toronto. That's just my personal right. bet. Um, I think it's what makes most sense. Um, not No disrespect to those other teams. You know, but, like, I mean, I think everybody probably has an equal opportunity. But uh, Well, I'll just respect to the New York Islanders because up until this point, they drove them away because they are run by idiots. And now you finally have some good hockey. Years. Now you have some good hockey people back in the Islanders, and they're going – Oh crap! We can't let him walk away because he is our franchise. If he goes, we have to rebuild all over again. So, sucks to suck, New York. You did it to yourself. Gar Snow, you're an idiot. Oh come on! I like Gar. He was a terrible goalie for the Flyers and an even worse GM for the Islanders. And you know, screw New York. Philadelphia, we're better than you. <laughs> Any uh, hoodles. So um, you're so petty. Yes. I'm going to say the song. Oh, yes, wow. I am. And I'm, I'm so petty, petty and proud. Petty and proud. Almost like being Betty and proud. <laughs> that was a reference to my grandmother. Silence is gold. Yes. But anyway, um, besides the, you know, obviously free agency is starting on Sunday. A couple other big free agents hitting the road. Paul Stasny, a Joe Thornton. In net, you got a John, you got a Jonathan Bernier, a Cam Ward, a Carter... A Carter Hutton. Um, so there's definitely lots of j- options. John Carlson, who was the big free agent defenseman, he got paid by the Washington Capitals. 
And so he's staying put in D.C. as we all saw coming. So there's not really any big defensive free agents. Um, Hacksaw came out and said he's not really going to be that big of a player for agency, but let's see, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, but Hexstall lies through his teeth all the time. I mean, what NHL GM? You know what I mean? It? But like, like I feel like he's bad at it too. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't know. Not to get into the, the personal side, but um, I mean, I guess you know. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Head of the free agent market, who would you like to see if the Flyers did pursue who? Stasny. Yes. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, I um, I want I mean, to see Ryan O'Reilly was interesting. I mean, we could still get him I mean, in trade. No, no, no I get, yeah, whatever. I mean, and I wouldn't be upset with that. You know what I mean? Because I like Ryan O'Reilly. Um, so that that was interesting to me. But like, you know, I, I definitely think like if I'm going to choose, like you know, Paul Stastny. I mean, I would like to think the Flyers are interested in him. I want him in orange and black next season. I, I do too. Like, I want our top three centers to be Sean Couturier. Nolan Patrick and Paul Sassney. No, here, here with Hextall saying that he's tr- like he's looking not to be a player in free agency. Does that almost disappoint you? Uh, if he's telling the, the truth, yeah, it does a little bit because I feel as though with how this team appeared this year, granted, what they did in the playoffs wasn't that impressive, but to get there shows that they can still compete and do something. I definitely because I thought about this in the way home from camp too, because like I thought like you know I I understand the cautiousness. And, like, also, like I said, Hexall lies through his teeth, like most general managers, whatever. You know, but, like, I mean, I feel like he could be totally playing everybody. But, you know, also, if, like, if that's the case, you know, I, I'm a little disappointed, actually. I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little frustrated because, like, you know what? I feel like there's an opportunity, you know, apparently, especially, you know, we want Paul Stastny. But, you know, even, like, like you said, with a Bernier, as far as, like, to address the goaltending situation, you know, there's, there's options out there that could better the team. And I, if I'm Hexel, I would like maybe I don't have to sit there and be like on everybody's line, you know, like oh, what's this? What's up with this? What's up with this? You know what I mean? It's it's but, like it's like he seems like, afraid to take that next step or start the to the next step. And you know, times we question his ability to to evaluate NHL talent. He's always been good at drafting and finding junior level talent to bring into the organization. But NHL talent in organizational like setup has seemed to be his weakness. It seems like maybe maybe there's a little bit of hesitation with him because he's maybe Hextall's concerned with you know acquiring a player and having it like not work out per se, or like maybe he's like he's a little caught extra cautious because he doesn't want to um, jeopardize any pre you know pre-established. Progress, you know what I mean? Well, then maybe he shouldn't have signed Dale Weiss for four years. Okay. But let's not get into that. You know what? But at the time, at the time, Dave. It seemed all right. And we, then. We were fans. And I definitely think it seemed like it was a power move. Like, for sure. I, I definitely think, you know, you just lost Ryan White. And, you know, Dale Weiss is an available player on the market, you know, who is of the same pedigree, you know, and way of playing. Or you thought it was an upgrade. And you it know, turned so out he, to be it, it not. Didn't, it just didn't seem to work out. But I mean, you know, I mean, like like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty. I don't necessarily blame that on, you know, I don't blame that contract on you know, Xtall. And I definitely think, you know, I, I'm not entirely sold that Dale Weiss has seen the better days of his career either. I think it's part of it. Like I said, Paramount a deployment issue, maybe partially part of the coaching staff and how they use him. But whatever, whatever, different podcast, different time. But you know, I I'm a little disappointed. Actually, um, I, I really would hope that, you know, Hextall 
I mean, he doesn't have to vocalize it, but I do hope, you know, Eckstall is a little bit more active in the free agency market this year in the summer, maybe than he seems to be leading on. Mm-hmm. You know? What do you mean? Cash taste is not a problem. The Flyers have like $20 million in cash taste. I, I really don't think that Paul Stastny, especially with the number we have in, in space, is an expensive player. He's probably going to want like five mil. That's what, we played, that's, what we paid Val Pippola. Now, what he better not do is if we can't get Stastny, Ron Hexall, if you're listening, do not sign Val Pippola again because he can't play anymore. He needs to retire. He got his Stanley Cup with Detroit. I want well, you. I do not want a Val Filippo back on this team this. anymore. We talk, and, you know, I'm not Val Filippo, you know what I mean? Like, I'm where with you. I don't, I don't necessarily want Val Filippo to return as a flyer. But, like, I don't – I don't know about retire. I mean, I definitely think, like, maybe – like, I think he needs to succumb to, like, a lesser role. Go back home, play in Finland. If you do something – I mean, play hockey. You know what I mean? Like, even, like, find an NHL contract, but you do have to allow yourself to downgrade. You have to, you have to take a discount. And I definitely think you have to take, like uh, – a demotion, you know? And at that point, like, you know, why not just to take the opportunity you have, you know, continue to play the game, you know, continue to, to find a contract elsewhere. And just be like a mentor, you know, like, especially to a, to a team with a younger, with a younger core, like, you know, maybe with like a, a large group of like young players looking to develop and make that step into like, you know, world-class NHL athletes, you know, even, I would say even the Flyers are, like, a really good team for that. We've talked about that before, and I feel like, theoretically, it's a good fit for him. But it just doesn't seem like it's going to work out that way here. No, I don't know what I think. And also, I think the fans are ready for him to be gone. And I think if Hexel does, does go on that path and does really sign Val Coppola, the fan outcry is going to be immense. It's not going to be good. So we'll see what happens. You know, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't sign anybody, then hopefully he's giving more shot for the kids and helping that process go forward. Because remember, what do we have to do with the process? You have to trust it. Trust it. You have to trust the process. In Hexy, we trust. Um, yeah, we are running a little bit overboard than usual. So, Jacob, anything you would like to add in closing? Any other thoughts? Miscellaneous Ron, facts that stuck Ron out here? Next, I'll pick up the phone. Ron Hexall, dial the phone. Call, call Boss Tassie's agent, please. <laughs> or call Do Buffalo. Make the trade for Ryan O'Reilly. Do something. Call Stassi's agent, and just in case, have O'Reilly's agent on the other line. Please, for us. What can we do? For the beloved fans of Philadelphia, please. And I, don't, I don't know what else. On my end, Hexy, if you're listening, address the goaltending. Get one of Neuvers or Elliot out of town. Bring someone um, else in. I'm going to piggyback off of that, too, for sure. Get I, I, another goalie in because Brian Elliott has seen. Please explore the option. Even with the phone conversation, I'm sorry not to cut you off, but even if, if neither the Stastny or the O'Reilly appeal to you, please, like you said, address the goaltending. You know, Jonathan Bernier is available. Also available, Craig Anderson of the Senders has requested a trade. And like many people talk about, this is his good year coming up. Because Craig Anderson is a goalie who every other year, one year he's best in the caliber, next year he's terrible. So, get him on his good year. Ring, 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 ring. <laughs> and then hope that he retires after that. But who knows? We'll see so what happens. One year. 
One-year experimental deal, I like to call. What I would do is I would trade Elliot or Norberth, preferably Norberth. I would rather keep Elliot and use him in a tandem and then go after a guy like John Bernier or a Carter Hutton and go that route. Yeah, he knows Nelson Mandela or knew Nelson Mandela. See, he's a great guy, had a great career. Oh, Jonathan Bernier. Jonathan Bernier had the opportunity to meet the world's greatest hockey player, Nelson Mandela. <laughs> and no, we're not joking with that, guys. We'll get up on YouTube right now. When Nelson Mandela passed away, Jonathan Bernier did not know who he was and thought he was a hockey player Pretty or sure a sports a, player. He went to some sort of like uh, benefit, like some some sort of organizational thing in Toronto when he was there, you know. And I just, don't. Just, just, we, we don't want something to about Nelson Mandela. We don't want to explain it wrong. So just just go ahead and Dave, my dearest uncle, we do not need see we do not need more veteran players. And here's why. Because now I'm going to go on a tirade. Thank oh. you. This is the blame for you, David John Green. The Flyers view veteran players are like Andrew McDonald, Dale Weiss, a Chris Vanavelli, a Pierre-Edward Belmar. Players like that. That's what Dave Hex... Are re-sign Carlo Koliakovo? No. Dave Hexall views those type of bad players as veteran... Uh, Brandon Manning is a, quote... Veteran player. That is Stop. not what we need on this team. Look at the you, sir, are a troll. My dearest uncle, my favorite uncle. Stop it. Behave yourself. Oh. Now, now. Now, now. And that was the end of 5-Minute Ninja Radio. <laughs> Before I go off on the rant, thanks everyone for watching and chiming in. My dearest uncle, or having a talk with you on July 4th, because you need to be spedumicated. With that, thank you for listening. Have a great week, guys. <laughs> He's like, Jake, I know you went out into the team. Uh, goodbye, SoundCloud and iTunes. I love Facebook Live for this reason. <laughs>